0: I'm uh, fascinated by this case of George Santos. You heard of him? For those who just came home from a six-month sabbatical, he's the recently elected New York congressman representing Nassau County and Northeast Queens. As portrayed in his campaign, he's young, articulate, has an amazing resume. He's accomplished so much in such short a time. It's incredible. He graduated from Baruch College and was its star volleyball player. He worked for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup as a financier. He's a self made, wealthy man, owning 13 properties. He's so successful that he loaned his campaign $700,000. He founded an animal rescue charity. He's a proud American Jew, (laughs) descended from Holocaust survivors. And he identified with and appealed to the many Jewish voters in his district. I met one of them today. All in all, he is a stunning American success story. The son of an immigrant makes good realizes the American dream, and is elected to Congress at the tender age of 34. Only in America. There's just one problem. None of it is true. He didn't graduate from Baruch or any other college. He never worked for Goldman Sachs or Citigroup. He was hardly wealthy. And not only did he not own real estate, he was evicted twice for failing to pay his rent and was taken to court for not paying his debts. Brazilian law enforcement authorities have reopened a criminal case against him for writing fraudulent checks only in America. Now rivers of ink have been spilled on the curious case of George Santos. Let me dwell on two Jewish dimensions. One. Lies. It wasn't just that he stretched the truth. All politicians do that, and not only politicians, people in public life and private life too. They seek to present themselves in the most positive way, in particular if they want to impress a potential employer or persuade voters. It wasn't that he stretched the truth. He called it putting a little bit of fluff on his resume. It was that George Santos essentially fabricated his entire identity. He just made it up — out of whole cloth. Is George Santos even his real name? Have we ever had a case in electoral politics of this kind of complete fabrication? Now the expert on all human things, Mark Twain, wrote, Everybody lies. Every day, every hour, awake, asleep, in his dreams, in his joy, in his mourning. If he keeps his tongue still, his hands, his feet, his eyes, his attitudes will convey deception and purposely. Everybody lies, even in sermons. But that is a platitude. Clergy lie, even in sermons. Listen, as one who's given hundreds of sermons, I can honestly say that I have never knowingly lied in a sermon. Platitudes, yes. It's part of our training, it's called platitude preaching proficiency. You can't graduate from the seminary and get ordained without mastering that skill. But outright lies, not consciously. What does Judaism teach about lying? In the Torah portion of the week, Vaera, we read this verse. Vayomer Moshe, terech Shlosha yamim ne'lech bamidbar, ve'zavachnu l'adonai la Eloheinu. And Moses said to Pharaoh, in the midst of the plague of the insects, let my people go a distance of three days into the wilderness so that we can sacrifice to the Lord our God. And Pharaoh responded, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but do not go very far. Moses said, let the people go so that they may worship God. He never once told Pharaoh that the real plan was to leave permanently and never return. At all times, Pharaoh is under the impression that Moses is simply asking to leave for a few days to put a little distance between the Egyptians and the Israelites so that the Israelites can worship in peace. And then the implication, at least, is that they will return. Pharaoh even says to Moses, fine, go ahead, but don't go too far. It's not the only case in the Torah of misstating the truth or leaving a false impression. In last week's Torah portion, the midwives Shifra and Puah also lied to Pharaoh. When he asked why they let the baby boys live contrary to his command to throw all the male children into the Nile River, the midwives responded that the Hebrew women were so vigorous that they gave birth before the midwives could even reach them. That was a bold-faced lie. Jacob lied to his father Isaac in deceiving him that he was Esau and deserved the blessing. Joseph's brothers lied to Joseph upon the death of their father Jacob when they fabricated a story that that Jacob begged Joseph to forgive his brothers. The Bible never even tells us that Jacob even knew until his dying day of the sale of Joseph into slavery. Even God misstated the truth. You remember that passage when the visitors came to visit Sarah and announced to her that she would bear a child? Remember that? Sarah responded, Now that I am withered, can I have pleasure since my husband is so old? When God reports to Abraham what Sarah said, God didn't report it accurately. God said to Abraham that Sarah's reaction was, Shall I indeed bear a child, seeing that I, Sarah, am so old? The tradition explained that God wanted to spare Abraham's feelings and to keep peace in the household. And so we learned Judaism's approach to truth. Since the oracle of all human knowledge, Mark Twain, was right, that each of us has the propensity to lie. Judaism insists. Don't lie. Control yourself. Tell the truth. Try to avoid putting even a little bit of fluff on your resume. First, there is the pragmatic perspective. As George Santos now knows, in our hyper-connected world, where everything is forever online and everyone knows everything about everyone, the more you lie, the greater is the risk of being caught in the lie. Most of us cannot lie persuasively. It's too complicated. Sooner or later, we're going to get caught. And most of us, for most of us, especially those of us in public life, our reputation for truthfulness and integrity are our primary calling card. We cannot do what we're supposed to do, especially those in public life, if people do not think of us as men and women of honor and integrity. But of course, the most important reason not to stray too far from the truth is the moral one. As the Talmud states, whoever breaks his word, it is as though he worships idols. Liars will not receive the divine presence. In many of the cases of lying that are in the Bible, those lies are condemned. In other cases, our tradition dwells upon when it might be acceptable to stretch the truth — in the cause of justice, to protect lives, as in the case of the midwives. Of course, it is acceptable not to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There is a great debate in the Talmud about what to say to a bride who is unattractive. The school of Shammai said, you should Tell her the truth, otherwise you violate the Torah, which demands that we tell the truth. Immanuel Kant agreed with this approach. He argued we should never lie. Even if there is a murderer at the door looking for the room of his victim, we should not lie, said Kant. The school of Hillel responded, don't be ridiculous. Even if the bride is unattractive, say that she is beautiful and gracious. The exceptions to truth-telling in Jewish thought do not have to do with personal ambition but with sensitivity to other people. For the sake of peace, we can tell a white lie. For reasons of modesty, we can stretch the truth to protect privacy. We can tell a taller tale. To avoid causing harm and insult, we can dabble in deception. But these situations are very limited in Jewish thought. Tell the truth. You don't have to say everything that's on your mind. But what you do say should be the truth. The truth, according to the rabbis, is God's seal. Two. The Jewish angle — I found it so interesting that George Santos boasted about being Jewish. There has to be some social significance to this, no? Of all the ethnicities — of all the religions and backgrounds he could have invented for himself — why Judaism? With our history — with everything that has gone down in the past millennia — With respect to the Jewish people, who would invent a Jewish heritage if they were unconnected to Judaism? To the contrary, public officials often seek to hide their Jewish background. In fact, going all the way to antiquity, the first question rabbis are supposed to ask would-be converts to Judaism is, are you out of your mind? Don't you know that the Jews are a small and persecuted nation? Why in God's name would you want to join us? In the words of Santos's house colleagues, don't you know that Jewish space lasers cause California wildfires? <laughs> that Zionist supremacists are masterminding Muslim immigration to Europe to, in a scheme to outbreed white people? that Congress supports Israel because it's all about the Benjamins? Once Santos was caught in his maze of lies, he responded lying again by saying, I never claimed to be Jewish. I said I was (laughs) Jew-ish. Jew-ish, what is that? I never said I was from Scotland, only that I was Scot-ish. <laughs> I never said I was from Denmark, only that for breakfast I eat a Dane-ish. <laughs> never said I drink liquor, only that I eat liquor <laughs> I never said I read a lot of books in college, only that I was book-ish. I never claim to be funny, although I am clownish. Now I realize that George Santos has many Jewish constituents and may have had electoral reasons to fabricate Jewishness, and especially his being descended from Holocaust survivors. In America today, if you can claim victimhood, it's a kind of Virtue signaling that often pays social dividends? Still, I think that the curious case of George Santos says a lot about the state of the country and the state of the country's Jews. Lo and behold, for the first time in recorded history, people boast about their non-existent Jewish background. Because they think that it will help them get ahead. It got them shunned from universities and professions in previous eras. And for much of our history, Jewishness got Jews killed. Even with the rapid rise of anti-Semitism in this country. Jews are still widely respected in America. We are held in high regard by many. We are trusted. We are viewed as reliable. We are considered desirable partners and spouses. Mindful of the many challenges ahead for the Jewish community, still, never in the last two millennia of the Jewish diaspora, never have we had it as good as in 21st century century America. By and large, this country has honored its promises to us, and we have honored our promises to America. We must fight hard to keep it this way.